Hey guys, it's Mac, and you're listening to the In My Feels podcast series. We are so excited you're here. If you're looking to get even more out of this series, be sure to grab the In My Feels Bible study book available at both forthegirl.com and lifeway.com slash inmyfeels. This study is what this podcast series is all about. In this study, you'll be able to dig into scripture to understand the heart of God in each and every one of these eight core feelings and even begin to implement these things into your everyday spiritual journeys. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss this Bible study. So grab a copy and let's get into the episode. Hey girl, you're listening to the For The Girl podcast, the podcast designed for you. Join Mac and Ken's as they cover all the hard topics for real life girls trying to love Jesus. Get ready for encouragement, truth, and let's be real, a little bit of a hot mess. Is it just me or are Mac and Ken's your new best friends? Let's get into the episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the For The Girl podcast. And we are currently in our In My Feels series. And I'm so excited because today we're diving into one of my favorite core emotions from the book that really, really has spoken to my life so much and just helped me process this feeling. And that is the feeling of shame. And is this not such a real one that we have all felt in so many different seasons of life. And I think there's so much goodness and such good news in scripture for us when we're feeling ashamed. But you know how it goes, Kens. Before we jump (laughs) into that, (laughs) we have to do our fun little intro group question. And I'm really excited about this one because for this week, we are talking about our most embarrassing moments. You know, the most cringy, weird, hilariously awkward thing that has happened to you. And you might be wondering what the connection to shame is here, but I mean, I know for myself when I do something embarrassing, I want to run away and hide. And is that not shame often? So, uh, Ken, we thought today we would share a collaborative embarrassing moment more so embarrassing for you but I witnessed it and was a part of it so (laughs) it's just a highlight in our in our lives it's real I feel like there's certain people that get embarrassed all the time and don't mind it and then there's other people that will do everything in their power I know those people that will not get embarrassed they like yeah yeah (laughs) and that is just not me so there's a plethora of stories but this is number one in both of our books because it was just the funniest thing of all for example this was the story that I told in my speech at your wedding rehearsal (laughs) you know like this is the story I pulled out of the archives because it is like the best story that I think we've ever had in doing ministry together in terms of hilariousness oh my gosh it's so real so we go on this thing It's an annual tour. It's called For the Girl Tour. We go on the road. It's hilarious. We think we're like a band trying to be all cool. But we gather groups of women across the country for worship speaking. It's the best time ever. We were in Atlanta, Georgia, a full room. We were there on stage. And we always start the night off with this like, here we are, embarrassing moment, setting ourselves up to be embarrassed, (laughs) where we dance. We do this choreographed dance. And let me tell you, we are not dancers. Like, this isn't to look cool, to have style. so embarrassing, actually. It's so (laughs) embarrassing. So here's the kicker. We had this moment where we, like, dropped it down low, 
And <laughs> I don't I don't know the song. It's like she hit the flow, that song. So yeah, yeah. We go, she hit the flow, and we go down to this kind of squat thing. And my Madewell jeans in front of hundreds of people ripped from my knee all the way up to the top of my <laughs> the my guys, belt loop area. Guys, I'm not kidding. Yeah. The entire seam ripped. It wasn't just like the back of her pants ripped, yes. you know, the booty part. It was the entire jean ripped in half. And <laughs> I mean, I feel mortified for you even in this moment. Oh like, my god. It was so funny. It was so I funny. mean, and I just couldn't wait for Mac to see what happened. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this just happened. <laughs> well you kind of leaned over and were laughing and you stopped <laughs> dancing. And the last, I think, scene of that dance was us back to back and you weren't there back to back with me. So I turn around and you're squatting and you look at me and you're like, I ripped my pants. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Also, mind you, we were wearing pink wigs at the time. So it's a hilarious <laughs> sight. Yes. And I am like, what do I do? What do I do? So I start to shield her from the audience. I get in front of her. And as I'm shielding her, I hear her from behind me being like, I'm peeing, I'm peeing. <laughs> she was laughing so hard yeah. that she not only peed her pants because her pants weren't there to pee in, she <laughs> literally left a puddle on the stage it was and I had bad. to back her off the stage. Uh, and we were supposed to be back on stage in two minutes and she had to do a quick wardrobe change. And it was... I think the funniest moment of my life. Oh my gosh. I am one of those girls who laugh so hard they pee. So it was doomed to happen. Yeah. But never would I ever thought that I would pee on stage in front of hundreds of girls. I don't know if they all saw that portion of it, but they sure saw the first portion. It was the funniest thing of my yeah. whole entire life. We were just dying. And honestly, it was like the best thing that's ever happened to me. It was pretty embarrassing, but it was pretty amazing. I was like, yeah. that is one for the books. I need to reach out to Maida. Uh, yes, you should. So <laughs> as you guys are sharing your embarrassing stories in your groups this week, just go for it. Yeah. Because Ken's had a double whammy, ripping the pants, <laughs> peeing her pants, and doing it on front of hundreds of people on a stage. So pretty hilarious, pretty awesome. But we are going to dive into this feeling of shame and shame to me it's just one of those words that can almost feel kind of like ooh, just dirty saying it out loud and the word alone can make us want to cower away and retreat back in the shadows of our brokenness we've been taught from a really early age to do everything we possibly can to avoid the feeling of shame because why would we ever want to feel it shame has often been that voice that has distorted our identity and convinced us that we're unworthy, we're not enough, we're too messed up to be a recipient of someone else's love, and oftentimes even a recipient of God's love. And I don't know what shame has looked like for you, but maybe you first felt shame at an early age because you didn't measure up to your perfect older sibling or your parents' expectations of your grades. And your parents just always made sure that you knew that you were falling short. Maybe shame creeped into your story from the traumatic experience of childhood abuse or something from your childhood that happened that always reminds you that you're dirty and can never be made pure again. Maybe your shame stems from those hurtful comments in middle school that 
consistently still reverberate through your mind and your heart that say you're ugly or you'll never be beautiful until you look like X, Y, and Z. Maybe you've been feeling ashamed of the fact that you accidentally accumulated an insane amount of credit card debt throughout college and that's been weighing on you. Maybe your shame is from a sin pattern that you can't escape no matter how hard you try you just constantly feel pathetic and mad at yourself for failing again maybe you felt ashamed of your life and your circumstances every time you scroll through social media and see all of your friends successes and accomplishments and you're just constantly reminded that all you've been able to do is scrape by with less than average grades or a less than average and glamorous life and shame it can just take on a million different shapes. I think it truly looks so different for person to person, but it never fails to convince us that there is something innately wrong with us that we need to keep hidden away from the world. And I know for myself, I've just experienced shame at so many key moments in my life. Small things like what I was talking about earlier in the podcast episode of uh, passing gas in front of my husband, which is hilarious, but also like just in bigger moments, just moments where I looked around the room at a group of women and I was like, oh my goodness, I am not enough to be in this room of women. And I need to like pretend to be somebody I'm not to fit in here. And yeah, shame is just one of those lies that can just really begin to control us in so many ways. I know I've experienced shame. I feel like even ever since I came to know Jesus, which was a little bit later in my life where I was like, okay, I'm all into this thing, not until later in high school. And then when I went to college, we started Delight and we stepped into this leadership position. And there's moments where maybe I was expected to know the Bible or preach or Mm -hmm. lead conversations or give advice. And I never felt good enough. I always felt behind in my knowledge of scripture, could have never recite a Bible verse or even (laughs) tell you where anything was. And (laughs) gosh, it was so hard. I mean, it honestly held me back from stepping into leadership or speaking up or leading in any kind of capacity because I just didn't feel good enough or that I didn't know enough. And it even held me back from from even spending time with Jesus at times because yeah. I was like, I don't even know where to begin or God, I'm sorry. I don't even, I don't feel good enough to even be with you or so many lies going through my head and really felt like you said you're hit, you want to hide away from the world. I felt that in my relationship with Jesus. I felt that in my leadership and in so many other different ways. And yeah, yeah, I feel like shame for me has been really real when it comes to just like walking out my faith. Yeah. And that is so true. And I want to dive into this sour side because Feeling ashamed isn't a new thing. It's not something that started in the last 100 years or something or has really become something through social media. No, shame has actually been around since the very beginning. The first two people who walked this earth, Adam and Eve, actually felt the raw and real emotion of shame. I love where it starts off in Genesis 2. You read scripture about Adam and Eve in the garden. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. So this is before the fall, meaning that sin had yet to enter the world. And their nakedness, I mean, yes, they were not wearing clothes, but I think it meant more than that. It meant that they were totally 
open and exposed before God and each other. They had nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide. And the idea of keeping anything from their creator, from God, had never even entered their minds and heart. Think of how beautiful this would be. There was no striving. There was no hiding. There was no covering. It was just this beautifully transparent friendship with God the Father and with each other. But Genesis 3 is when things kind of started to go haywire. The enemy, he enters in and he begins to whisper lies of deceit against who God was to Adam and Eve. And the serpent appears to Eve first and he begins to make her question God's voice and command about not eating from the tree of knowledge and evil. And Satan is a pro at this. I mean, he tries to tempt us into straying from God's love by getting us to think about these questions. He'll ask us things like, did God really say that? Or does God actually know best? Or God's holding something back from you, like go and get it for yourself. And the enemy, the truth is the enemy will always try to distort God's voice in your life and send you into this spiral of doubt and confusion about who God is, who he says you are and what he's called you to. And this is where shame begins to turn sour. This is where shame turns sour for Adam and Eve and often for us too. And it is when it turns into this thing called self-rejection. Hello, you guys. I wanted to quickly interrupt today's episode with a really fun little segment. As you probably have caught on by now, we've partnered with Windshape Camps to recruit amazing leaders like yourself to go to camp and lead this summer. Mac and I are seriously so incredibly excited about this because we are big time fans of spending your summer at camp. So Today, I thought it might be really fun to have our one and only friend, the past lightly leader and win-shaped camp counselor herself, Erica. So, Erica, would you say hi real quick? Hello, everyone. Yay! We are so excited for this mini little interview. So, we want to hear about your experience at Windshape. First and foremost, what has been the best part of spending your summer at camp? Honestly, the best part is that it is so much fun. Um, You get to be a kid again, which at times in college, you're like, yes, I just need some time to like relax. Um, You also get to create meaningful and deep relationships. Some of my best friends are the ones that I worked a summer with. Um, They were in my wedding and we can still connect today, which I can't say that all of my college friends are the same way. So um, your deep and meaningful relationships is like the one of the best parts. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've, I've seen that and noticed that. It feels like camp friends are seriously life friends. So if anybody's out there like looking for community, hungry for deeper relationships, this is for you. Okay. I want to know how camp prepared you for your future career and dreams because I think oftentimes it might get this bad rap of like, oh my gosh, no, I need to spend my summer like building my resume, doing my internships and serious business opportunities. But for you, how did Windshape actually shape your career and dreams? Yeah, so it showed me my passions and potential for more. Um, It was because of camp that I realized what I wanted to do after college. Um, And I do know that a lot of the positions at Windshape, you can make into an internship, which is amazing. You just have to ask them to sign off on some paperwork. Oh my gosh, so cool. Yeah, taking a summer off, you get to like reevaluate life and see what you really want. Through serving, you know your giftings too, which is a beautiful thing. Okay, finally, what is the last thing 
that you would say to convince everyone, I mean everyone, listening to this little ad to go and work at Windshape this summer? Of course, it gives you the opportunity to make an impact if you choose to make an impact. You get to do some awesome kingdom work while having fun and getting paid. And that's the best of both worlds. Oh my gosh, I heard that Windshape's the highest paying summer camp too, which is pretty legit, you guys. So... If you're wanting to serve Jesus this summer in a really fun way, well, this is for you. You can learn more information by signing up through the Simple Easy Interest form. The link is in our show notes. And from there, you'll be sent more information on this incredible experience. And if you're already hooked on this idea, then you can go ahead and apply at workatwindshape.org. That's workatwindshape.org. Trust us when we say that this is a small step of faith that can lead to one of the biggest movements of God in your life and probably the best summer ever. So go apply. We'll talk to you soon. The enemy starts to attack your identity and how you see God thus changing how you see yourself. And as we can tell from Eve's story, it often works. God had given Eve access to an abundance of things and gifts and blessings, yet she fixed her eyes on the one thing that God had asked her to refrain from and say and use that to get her to believe that God didn't have the best in mind for her. So she ate the apple and then she convinced Adam to do the same. And suddenly, their eyes were opened and everything was different. Genesis 3, 7 says this, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And you see this verse stands in total contrast to Genesis 2, 25, the first verse we read, because shame has now entered the story of human history and Adam and Eve's knee jerk reaction to their shame was to cover themselves, to first of all, cover the thing that they used to never feel shame about. And then second, they actually run and hide. They hide, God comes walking in the garden and he says, where are you? And you see, they allowed shame to turn toxic and distort the true narrative of God's heart for them. Adam and Eve, they, for the first time, they saw their nakedness, they saw their sin, their shortcomings, and they began to believe that they suddenly weren't enough for God, weren't enough to be with God. Rather than running towards God to be their help, they chose to run from Him, thus rejecting their identity as God's kids in need of His grace. And this is just the truth. When shame turns sour, it often leads us to reject God's design and to reject that natural need for grace and help. And instead we take things into our own hands by trying to earn everything by our own merit and toxic shame in its most extreme form tells us that if we show people who we really are, then we will always be rejected. And so we resort to hiding and covering up who we truly are. When I talked about standing in that circle of women and feeling not enough, I started to convince myself that I needed to fake it, that I needed to be somebody that I wanted, but God always wanted us to be naked and unashamed before him. And that's God's heart for you. It's that when you mess up or you fall short, rather than masking what's going on inside your heart, he wants you to call it out to him so he can speak identity about who he says you are over you and restore the things that maybe sin or the fall tried to steal from you. And I think that leads us to 
the invitation in it all. Yes, so good. So where the sour side is self-rejection, the invitation is into humility, is into humility, recognizing that really you're never going to be good enough, but God is so good. And this might catch some of you by surprise. You're like, what? In my shame, I should just recognize that I'm not perfect and I mess up and I'm a hot mess sometimes. I make poor decisions. And I should just accept that. And that is sort of true because we aren't perfect and you're never going to have it all right. There's never going to be a time where you just have it all together and execute your life flawlessly. (laughs) Like we are human. And I hope you hear my heart in this. This doesn't mean you should just (laughs) use your free will to run around wild and not even try to honor the Lord anymore. Of course, we should always do our best to try to honor him and all we do. But it's recognizing that we're not perfect and stepping into this humility, embracing humility. I think about the verse at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, and it says, for my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. You see, you're more powerful when you admit your weaknesses and when you're honestly vulnerable with God and you try to be less self-sufficient and do everything on your own. Our shame, you see, it invites us into our humanity and allows us to see ourselves as fully human in need for others and God. And I feel like Jesus, being fully human, he really did exemplify this so well. He was incredibly humble, always took the low place and never tried to prove himself, didn't want attention or accolades. I really think that there are such tampons tangible ways that we can also step into this humility when we experience shame in our life can look so much more like Jesus and how he did this so well. So maybe for you, you just got to stop caring so much about what other people think and more about your encounters with Jesus. Stop rejecting yourself and the things that you might be ashamed of and what other people might think of it and just going straight to the feet of Jesus. Maybe you need to start actively practicing this vulnerability in your life. Instead of hiding yourself, you need to get more honest with yourself and especially with people around you, letting people know, hey, I am experiencing shame in this and I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to reject myself, but I'm going to let you in. Or maybe for you, this looks like actually responding to the next altar call at your church and willing to be the first one to run up there regardless of people of what people think and just get on your knees. That to me truly defines mm-hmm. humility and our desperate need for Jesus, recognizing like, hey, I might have messed up and this is really heavy on my heart, but I'm willing to get right next to Jesus. Or maybe for you, you simply need to start asking God for help again rather than trying to do everything independently from him. I think that will change a lot for you. So I don't know what you got to do to humble yourself, but I really do think that humility takes action. It's really easy to say, oh, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm humble in this area or I want to work on being humble in this area rather than actively doing this, running to the altar, being vulnerable with your friends, caring less about what people think and more about your encounters with Jesus. I really think that 
rather than sulking in our shame and it turning into that self-rejection, we can step into this invitation today and live into humility. Yeah, it's so good. I, I love just this idea that healthy shame doesn't look like hating on yourself and being like, I'm the worst or I'm terrible. That is when it turns sour. That's that self-rejection when you almost reject who it is that God has made you to be and designed you to be. But healthy shame says, yeah, I'm not enough, but I know who is enough. And I'm going to live my life to honor him and to elevate him and to reveal him in every single area of my life to the people around me. And there's just a really cool freedom and peace that comes with that. When we stop trying to prove ourselves, when we stop trying to cover up and hide the pieces of ourselves that are messy and not perfect, but instead we say, hey, my life is messy. I'm not perfect, but I surrender everything to the one who is, and he's the one who tells me who I am. And that's what I live into. And that's what I live out every single day. And I just think that's such a beautiful way to process our shame. That again, when you feel ashamed of something, you don't have to cover it up. You don't have to run from it. You just take it to the feet of Jesus and you allow his perfection to cover it and then to speak new identity and life over you once again. And I'm so excited to hear from Donna, our feelings expert, as she shares with us some really practical ways to process and to live into this healthy biblical view of shame. So let's hear it, Donna. Donna here to talk about shame. I hate shame because it has held me back in different areas of my life. I also hate shame because I see it have paralyzing effects on people. It makes people feel isolated, small, and other than. Brene Brown has a fantastic illustration on what makes shame grow and what makes shame die. Do you know what a Petri dish is? A Petri dish is a clear dish in a science lab where experiments are performed. Scientists combine ingredients in Petri dishes to see what they can grow. They also combine ingredients to see what they can kill. Brene says, if you put shame in a Petri dish and add secrecy, judgment, and silence, shame will grow. But if you put shame in a Petri dish and you add empathy and share it with a safe person, the shame will die. Empathy kills shame. So what is empathy? Empathy is communicating that healing message that you are not alone. Here is an example. Avery and Brooke are friends. Avery has been struggling with depression. She has missed work because she has been in bed for three days. She hasn't washed her hair or brushed her teeth. And she's been binge watching Netflix. Brooke has been texting Avery to see where she is and what is going on. Avery hasn't responded to the text messages. Brooke doesn't know that Avery struggles with depression. Avery thinks to herself, I am so gross. If Brooke knew what I'm really like, she would never be friends with me. Do you hear it? Silence, secrecy, judgment, shame grows. Versus, Brooke sends the seventh text in three days. The text says, Hey, I am really worried about you. No matter what is going on, I will be in it with you. I just don't want you to be alone. Avery responds, can you come over? 
Brooke comes over and Avery lets her in on the fact that from time to time she has bouts of depression that she never tells anyone about because she thinks she should be able to pull herself out of it. Brooke listens and says, I know I can't fix the depression for you, but I'm so glad you told me. I don't want you to be alone in it. I love being your friend, not just when we're having fun. I want to be your friend in the hard stuff too. And I've been depressed before. It's the worst. Avery is relieved. She doesn't have to hide this part of her anymore. And she doesn't feel lonely in it anymore. This is a little made up story. And it also represents the truth. When we keep our struggles a secret, our shame gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we get lonelier and lonelier. But when we're vulnerable and let someone safe see all of us, it turns down the volume on that mean inner critic that tells us that we are gross and that no one will ever love us. And it helps us to get out of our shame. Wow, we have loved getting in our feels with you guys. I hope you've loved it too. Continue following along throughout the week because we are posting on Instagram and on TikTok. You'll get a little inside scoop of our lives and so much more. We'll see you next week. I hope you have a great rest of your week.